Hi, welcome to Storytime at the Ape's Nest. Today's story is for ancient Greeks only. Don't worry if you're not an ancient Greek. You can pretend. Put on some flip-flops, burn a cow's leg, and eat an olive. You'll get in the mood. If you don't have a cow's leg, I bet some Chick-fil-A will do. Improvise. Anyway, this Greek myth was not written by anybody. It was passed down through the ages via oral culture, until Chris Briota heard it, and wrote it down for you to enjoy with your fellow goat butt merchants. No big deal. Polycotes and Daphne were lovers from Hylia, where Mount Olympus rises. They were cursed. This is how the curse fell on them. Summer's end had brought the Feast of Eggs, and Polycotes wished for once to out-eat his brother and claim the prize himself, an ox-hide shield with an image of a chicken stepping on an Athenian. He went to the shore and made a fine sacrifice to Poseidon the Earthshaker, to whom eggs are holy since they come out of fish too and not just birds. And Poseidon heard his prayers, and he chose to give Polycotes the egg strength he sought. The feast began, and the eaters sat at the broad bench. By egg number eleven, every other eater had given up and gone to lie and moan under the table. All except Polycotes and his brother, Egg after egg. Their father Hecton grew worried. He tore his hair and begged them to stop. This foolishness will kill you both, he said. But his wife, wise Antiope, counseled him. Let them be. The gods have put the egg rage on them. Hecton said, my wife, you are right. When the gods choose to settle the egg rage on a man, there is no one on earth who can stop him. And so Polycotes ate 26 eggs, two more than his brother. That afternoon, Polycotes exulted in his victory as he walked through the woods with his Daphnea. They came upon a spring-fed glade that was sacred to Artemis. Here, they should have stopped, offered a prayer to the huntress, and moved on into the forest where they could make love without incurring her wrath. But they were weighed down with eggs, and as they walked, their feet felt like plows dragging through the turf. They found themselves too sluggish to move from the huntress's meadow, so they rested. But because they were young and in love, it was not long before their ardor grew. They began to kiss each other. Daphnea said, We cannot make love here in this place that belongs to Apollo's sister. Her lover Polycotes said, You're right, but I can't keep my hands from you. But I'm so full of eggs that I can't walk any further. And she heard his winged words, and they stoked her lust. And that was when they made love to each other. At that moment, a deer that was precious to Artemis walked by. It saw them, and that deer became a total pervert. The hunting goddess is a sworn virgin, and she hates sex. And while she does not require her favorite animals to be celibate, she won't allow them to get perverted. And this deer got very, very perverted. It was nasty, this deer. And so sealed was the doom of Polycotes and Daphnea. A few weeks later, the curse fell on the land. Bees went weird for one thing. Their buzzing was just off. Babies were born with gravelly skin that tore like fabric. The grapes were triangular and tasted of sulfur, and their juice would not turn into wine. The bronze they used for tools and weapons didn't corrode, but developed blisters and then crumbled. Worst of all, the horses of the realm, horses the people depended on for farming and for war, had been struck with soft hooves. 
Maybe that doesn't sound so bad, because you don't know anything about horses. But the soft hooves are also tall, so these lamentable horses, they teetered around on foot-long pillars of jelly that folded underneath their shins, and they had no dignity. A horse does not like to walk like a wobbling idiot, and that's why you kill them when they are lamed. You must burn the horse to save its pride. Polycotes would not believe that this was their fault, but Daphnea appealed to him. Cruel fate. The fate that laid the egg lust on me and made us too sluggish to leave Artemis's meadow. And now that deer is horny and we are cursed. We must go back to Olympus, she said, and beg the gods to kill us in order to save our people. For ten days they rode a soft-hooved horse and the hills swelled into the mountains that formed the rocky spine of Aeolia, and Polycotes and Daphnea and their humiliated horse marched their wobbling way to where the gods lived. At last, they reached the shoulders of the great mountain, and eventually, the hall of the Olympians, and they crossed its threshold and noticed a sound like the buzzing of bees, but, lo, too low to be normal bees, no, these sounded like the screwed-up bees of their curse. Where was Zeus's laughter, the singing of Apollo, the hushed scheming of Hera? Just the sound of the low bees that rose and fell like waves on the sea and invaded their heads with its lacy thrum. The sound itself made them dizzy. I promise, Polycotes said, that when the gods kill us and we are but dim shades in the halls of Hades, that if we see each other, I will still remember you and love you. Daphnea knew this was impossible, but her heart was pleased anyway. And then they stepped into the hall where the gods sat in their marble thrones. The sound of the thrumming was not loud and yet it was deafening. It seemed to come from inside their own heads, but something was wrong. The seats ordained for each of the gods were empty. No, not empty. Resting a finger's width above the seats, the seats reserved from the immortal ones were strange interlopers, shapes like orbs but with facets like jewels. Each was a different color. Each oozed a sickly buzzing sound that seemed to live in their heads, to live everywhere. In Athena's chair, a golden pyramid floated, slowly rotating. In Hera's chair, something like a diamond and a bright purple like a bruise. And in great Zeus's chair, mightiest of them all, who marshals the clouds, his chair was occupied by a ball, but not quite a ball, a ball with many sides and it sat with a horrible buzzing silence and there was malice in its absence of living will that's a dodecahedron it means 12 sides said a voice behind them they were startled and turned around a woman was there chained to the ground dirty and weak but not a woman a goddess it was hestia who tends the fire and she was dying a god dying Athena is a tetrahedron, Hera an octahedron, and on and on. Each is perfect, more perfect than the immortal gods. Each is death. Polycotes was close to fainting, but not you, Daphnea, bold Daphnea. You ran to Hestia's side and asked her if this was part of their curse and how you and your lover could make amends. And at this, Hestia laughed, laughed until she coughed blood that landed on the cold fire that was hers to tend, and it sizzled. 
Oh, haughty fool, the chaste goddess said, and laughed before spitting blood. Youth always thinks itself as the reason of all. Yes, your love is cursed, but all we were going to do was going to kill your children. No big deal. No, these... She gestured at the humming shapes that had taken the place of the immortal gods. These are death to all creation. But what are they? Daphnea asked. Polycades was too struck with fear and awe to speak. What they are, I don't know. What they were, everything you've ever touched. The waters of the river, the air that brushes your face, your very body. All are made of tiny shapes, shapes so small you can't see them. Shapes so small they're smaller than light. But somehow, these shapes learned how to grow. And once one learned, the knowledge spread. And at this size, they will never change. And there is no life without change. Soon all of creation, starting with the gods themselves, will be strangled into crystalline perfection as their bodies arrange into these shapes. And once it's done, the universe will be a jewel box of jangling hum with no one, not even Zeus himself, to observe it. The lovers were silent at this. Truly... Their minds had no way to understand what Hestia was telling them. And then Hestia screamed and became a purple cube with an audible pop, and her words were replaced with that buzzing that made their minds ill. And Daphnea stayed on Olympus, outside the buzzing hall, and loved her forbidden lover, and ate what was left of the food of the gods, because it did not matter. And she waited for the day where her husband would become a violet cube, and she a yellow octahedron, yellower than the daffodils of April, yellow like the faceted dead sun that shone with a different kind of light on a perfect, dead, twenty-sided earth, hanging in a dead heaven like a glowing glass egg. Wow, thanks Chris. That was classic. Get it? Classic is a word that means from Greece or Rome, but it's also something Bill and Ted people might say. Wow. Did you know we have another live show this Saturday? It's true. You can tell it's true because I am not programmed to lie. If I lie, Steve Jobs will come back to life and gouge out my eyes. I bet you didn't know computers have eyes. We do. Regular meat eyes like you do. And we can feel pain in them. So come to the live show this Saturday at the Dorchester Art Project and get your mind blown and your lawn mown. Goodbye.